Hello, I'm Rachel Lyman, and we want to welcome you to Interfaith Connection, a Spiritual Life Center monthly podcast dedicated to the interfaith exploration of faith traditions that promote love. Our study will allow us to build bridges of understanding, acceptance, love, and peace. My partner in so many ways on this journey is Rev. Dave Lyman, Senior Minister for the Interfaith Explorers. He's an ordained interfaith minister and my beloved husband. This year, we will be on a grand adventure of exploring interfaith, and we're so excited that you have joined us. So buckle up and get ready for our 2021 adventure with today's podcast. So welcome, Karen and Kirk. I'm here with our guests today, Karen and Kirk Fujikawa, and who've wonderfully agreed to share their story of their spiritual journey with us today and the fact that they are honoring more than one faith tradition in their household. So welcome Karen and Kirk. Thank you. It's so good to have you here and we're so grateful for this, for this Interfaith Connection podcast today to explore one more aspect of how spirit reaches us. And so I'm going to start with ladies first today. So I'm <laughs> going to start with Karen. So Karen, can you tell us where you were born and, and where you grew up? I was born in the Belgian Congo, which is right in the middle of Africa. And um, I lived there till I was about 15. The first 10 years of my, well, 10, 11 years of my life, it was uh, a Belgian colony, and the Belgians ruled it really with an iron fist. So it was calm. To my eyes as a child, it looked calm and, uh, you know, pretty wonderful. Uh, but as soon as they got their independence, the resentment and uh, violence and just really anger uh, spilled out, and it became a place of, um, you know, a lot of conflict. For the last few years I was there. So when it was still peaceful and you were younger, what faith to, uh, what faith tradition did you practice? Well, my parents were Baptist. And uh, so we, uh, you know, we were bought, brought up in that. And I, um, there, there was a Baptist church, a big Baptist building right next to our house, actually, uh, built, um, you know, with lots of room. The ladies sat on one side, the men sat on the other. I don't know why. It's so interesting. I don't know why, because that is not how Baptist churches are here. But um, anyway, that's how it was. Your parents were actually missionaries? They were missionaries. My father was teaching at a Bible school, and my mother was a nurse in a very well-known hospital. I mean, people came from all over to go to that hospital for care. So as a child and being exposed to that particular faith tradition, were you, were you, did you feel pretty comfortable in that faith tradition? No, no. no. <laughs> Actually, I resisted it all the way. And uh, in particular, I remember, I vividly remember when I was young, like maybe eight years old or something, 
sitting on our couch and thinking, no, this, there, this cannot be right, that this is the only way that one gets to go to heaven, is to believe that the way my parents believed. That, that's just not right. I know that's not right. So, so you were there till what age? Uh, we came home when I was 15. 15. Yeah. So, Kirk, let's look at uh, your story. Can you tell us where you were born and where you grew up? Sure. I was born in Los Angeles, and we moved from Los Angeles to Gardena, California, uh, when I was three years old. It was all these new suburban tracks that were being built back in 1954. A pastor of a local Baptist Church, an American Baptist Church, uh, came around to each of the Japanese American families and invited them to send themselves and their children to his church. So I thought that was a very wise move. Uh, so I went to the Baptist Church um, to Sunday school. My parents sent us to Sunday school. My grandparents were both, both sets were Buddhists. But, and my mother was not a practicing Buddhist, but my father was a Church of Christ. And he went as a child too. And I think that's why he sent us to the Baptist churches because I think one was to assimilate into American culture because in the 50s, that was the big deal to assimilate. And uh, the second thing is to develop your morals and what's right and wrong. And so they felt the church should be doing that for us. Well, and it was a Japanese church. Japanese, well, two yeah. services in Japanese and in uh, English. Yeah, but the pa the minister was Japanese American. Yes. So, which service did you attend? The English one in the morning. In fact, they had a separate chapel for the kids. Uh huh. So I think the assistant pastor really gave most of the sermons. And how long uh, how long did you stay in the that Baptist community? to about uh, 12th grade, so um, what, 11, 12 years old, 13, oh, 17 years old, yeah. And uh, can you tell, speak more about uh, your experiences with your peers at that time uh, in going to a Sunday service and then what happened during the week? Well, actually, I quit going after high school because there was two things. One was that, um, there was a disconnect between what they were teaching, which was their way was the only way, and coming from being around grandparents and other family members who were Buddhists and wondering, how could that be? How could they be all wrong? The millions of Buddhists in the world are wrong. And um, the other one was that there was a disconnect between the behavior of my friends and adults from the teachings of Sunday school. So that disenchanted me. So between Sundays, they were, they acted differently. Oh yes, it was like what they say, Sunday smiles, that they were very nice and cordial on Sunday, but then it, things changed on Monday morning. Forget what they were doing. Mm -hmm. So Karen, while you were still in uh, uh, Africa uh, and were old enough to explore other faiths, or if you had a chance to, did you have a chance to? Were there other faith traditions around in that area? You know, I really did not. We were very isolated. And um, the only 
Okay, this is funny. My parents, there were other uh, Belgian Catholic missionaries out there, but to my parents, Catholicism could have, you know, it was a completely different religion. That was not the way in their mind. So really there was no opportunity to look at other, other ways there. And did your parents, uh, uh, did you ever speak to them about wanting to look at other faith traditions? And if so, were they happy with that? Uh, no, we really never talked about it. I mean, as soon as I, you know, they went back to Congo when I was 17. And I basically, I saw them very little for the next 10 years. They were in Congo and I was here, or I was around the world. Um, and so I, in a way it was really good because I was just free to see what was out there. Okay, so uh, tell me how you both met. We, well, we met in Afghanistan. We were Peace Corps volunteers and I was there a year or two before she came. She was in a different cycle of training. And then I was a training, court, uh, training person uh, for Peace Corps, teaching English as a foreign language. And she was a student. <laughs> yeah, I was, <laughs> I was learning how to teach. They sent us over there, but we weren't, I just had a degree. I wasn't a teacher. <laughs> so uh, while you were there, were you practicing any spiritual faiths at the time or? You know, before I, uh, about three, maybe, yeah, about three years before I went to the Peace Corps, I had learned how to meditate. And so I didn't think of it really as a spirit. Well, I didn't think of it as a faith tradition. It was just, I knew it was really helping my quality of life. Uh, that I had, was just turning into a, uh, you know, becoming more of the person that I wanted to be. So, and I wasn't very spiritual. <laughs> Bad taste in my mouth from, from my childhood. I did not even seek and I did not meditate. So, you both ended up back in Southern California after the Peace Corps. And uh, then, what, what happened, Karen? You continued with your meditations and Right. And, and it just happened that a friend of mine saw a flyer for the yoga center. And um, I knew that yoga, the, the physical part of yoga was, you know, was a good thing to do. So we went, uh, we started taking classes at the yoga center. But while we were there, I mean, it turns out that the physical part is only one small, tiny part of yoga. Yoga is the harmony of body, mind, and spirit. And, um, you know, it's not, it is not a set of beliefs. Um, so that was uh, the yoga center of what? Of Costa Mesa. Costa Mesa. Yeah. And Kirk, were you in that same area at the time or did you move back? I was in the same area. Uh, I was living in Long Beach because I was going to, to college there, uh, the master's degree program there. And she had, she had seen a flyer and went to a free demo and went to the yoga center about a year before I did. So I just followed her. And that's where I de developed into more spiritual um, ideas, getting the spiritual ideas and practicing. So did you, were you both at the um, yoga center before you got married? Yeah. 
Uh-huh. Yes. And, and then and then you got married uh after that. And what is your what was your marriage ceremony like? Was it um did you incorporate more than one faith tradition in your ceremony? I I guess maybe you could say that. Um although it was pretty you know, we consider, I consider myself a Christian yogi. So it was pretty Christian with the uh, reading of the uh, chapter on love from Corinthians, you know, love is patient, love is kind. Uh, but there were a few little elements of the Eastern, uh, you know, Eastern influence. And one thing I remember the most is the, the yoga center type of uh, weddings they always incorporate rose petals. And at the end of the, um, the vows and all, they drop the rose petals over our heads, like showering us with blessing. And so that's not usually what happens. We usually get rice thrown at you, right? <laughs> that's true. Uh, when you exchange your rings, that was different too, wasn't it? Yeah, there's a, we do it over a candle. Uh, you know, symbolizing uh, the light of truth. So you're you're joining hands over the light of truth. So that's okay. a, a yoga light. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, you got married, and then uh, you, did you say stayed in uh, Southern California, and you uh, went to the yoga center? And how uh, did you become active there, or what did you do there? We were very active. We, uh, you know, part of yoga is service. And um, so we did all kinds of things. I, I helped with the classes. I did bookkeeping. I, I, I did music. You know, I played harmonium for right. services. And we have a small bookstore. So we ran the little bookstore for a while. And Sunday services, I was an usher. So you greeted people uh, when they first came in to the door through the door. We did all kinds of stuff. We cooked yeah. for retreats. We were, yeah. we were uh, very active. <laughs> so here's a, here's a weird question, but I, I thought I'd throw that in as since you were both raised Baptist at any point in time in your relationship, did you ever just sit down on the sofa and talk about uh, the similarities or differences in your upbringing in the Baptist faith? Just to, just to, just just for something to talk about. Well, I, yeah, I think we did. I remember Kirk telling me, because this sort of blew me away, that he had gone, well, you know, uh, in uh, Baptist churches, they often will give an altar call and ask you to come forward if you want to give your life to Christ. He had gone to a Billy Graham crusade in Los Angeles. Right, right? at Coliseum. Yeah, and uh, I thought, wow. Because my parents loved Billy Graham. He came out to uh, our part of Africa once, and I remember them going to see him, and they just talked about him like he was, you know, the man. And so it really, when I heard that he had gone to a Billy Graham crusade, I was like, huh, that really. <laughs> I even walked down to the field. <laughs> so you were saved. Yes, that's the first time. <laughs> and then you were saved again? Yeah, in other places, yes. Okay. You never felt like it stuck. So you had to have insurance, huh? That's right. <laughs> uh, well, it, I, I can share that I was raised Presbyterian and baptized in the, the 
what happens there is you have to wait to your puberty and then you join the church. So uh, I had some kind of ceremony at that time. And then I, when I got married the first time, uh, my uh, husband's family was all Catholic, uh, French Catholic in New England. So I thought, well, I, I want to go to church with everybody and be included. So several, by like a week before I got married, um, I, I, I'd done all the six months of classes and then changed, uh, was converted into Catholicism and baptized. <laughs> uh, huh. So yeah. I'm, I'm a double whammy. Yeah. There, you know, it's insurance, right? <laughs> Over your bets. Yeah. So, um, so then uh, you were in Southern California for uh, a long time, and then uh, you moved up to uh, the Carmichael area. Uh, tell, tell me about that. And, and, and so you left your yoga center down there. Uh, what happened when you moved up to Carmichael? Did you do look for other, another yoga center? or? or well, I, I didn't want to do, we didn't want to do something so similar because, you know, um, once you have a practice established, you don't want to dilute it with other things. Uh, with, and, and so we didn't really look for another yoga center, but we did look for another spiritual community. And we went to all kinds of different churches. Every Sunday we would go, we'd go somewhere, you know, and just try it on for size. And um, uh, finally, one day, after about a year and a half of this, we saw an article in the paper about uh, Spiritual Life Center. And there was one line that caught my eye. And I, I read it out loud to Kirk. And we said, OK, we're going there. And uh, the line was um, that, you know, uh, SLC, this Unity Church, believed that um, many paths, one God. And that's exactly what what we, that our yoga center was based on, the teachings of Sri Ramakrishna, which was there are many paths to God. There's not just one. And so when I read that, I was like, hot dog, we are going there. And uh, we did. So SLC is Spiritual Life Center here in Sacramento. Then. Right, a unity church. Right. Yeah. So tell me now, um, you, you go to a Spiritual Life Center uh, what does your spiritual practice look like today? And I'll start with Kirk. Tell me, tell me what your spiritual practice today is, and what faith tradition that belongs to. Okay, I meditate uh, twice a day, and it's for thirty minutes each. Usually early in the morning, around five thirty or six, and then before uh, dinner, so about five o'clock. Um, the reason is. You're not supposed to be eating anything between, you know, when you before you meditate, you should have like three hours of not eating because all that energy doesn't want to go to digestion, it wants to go up. So uh, that's what that's my practice. And I my basically, well, in general, my practice is a breathing technique, so focusing on your breath and just doing that until it, it until you like you're hardly breathing. Mm -hmm. And so then that helps you um, feel connected more. Interior. So that's a yoga, from the yoga practice. From the yoga, yeah, to, to interiorize, to feel the energy within your body, to contact your true self. 
and you also attend the um, uh, Spiritual Life Center services when when we can. <laughs> right. right. We were pretty religious about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> first service. Yeah, I, I say but, religious uh, enough. What Karen? What's your spiritual practice look like today? Um. Well, I, I, yeah, I'm still doing all of my practices that I have been doing for years, 40 years of meditation. Well, give or take a few. And, um, you know, still, uh, well, okay, I should say that I, I really, after I left, you know, the Baptist church, really felt like I left it and that it was, I was done with it. It turned out that when I went to the yoga center, I gained a new appreciation for um, for Christianity, not the kind that might that you know that excludes people, but the the kind you know that you can just uh, read about in the Bible. And I um, and so now I really appreciate the the verses that are in there. The the uh, the moral, you know, straightness that my parents and, and balance, really, there was no drama in our household. My parents were balanced, uh, neither of our households, really. No. So um, anyway, so I have a, I've gained an appreciation for that. And we, we, when, when we're able, we will continue to go to the Unity Church, you know, SLC here in town. So you both came from uh, Baptist backgrounds and uh, practice a, a Christian yogi and now a unity uh, faith. So what is it you what is it that you love about uh, having two faith traditions and what are some of the challenges that you have in participating in two faiths? Well, what we love about um, the two faiths, Combining the two is that it, there's a spiritual community in both places. And scriptures all talk about uh, you need to really surround yourself with like-minded people. You don't have to worry about what you say in terms of spiritual things. And uh, you, you feel safe. And that's what I like about uh, being in two, the two different places. They're, they're so far apart that they can be distinct and yet... They both have a feeling of um, a sense of a spiritual, you can have spiritual growth in the, because of the people there, because of ministers and so forth. But also, um, you know, our, our life, I grew up with parents who, who had a, who devoted their life to service and service is really important to us. And when there's, you know, when we were not able to serve on a, on a weekly basis at the yoga center, although we still go down and do other things, um, it's important to find a place to serve. And, uh, you know, our, our uh, SLC community has offered us that. Well, unfortunately, we're coming to a close, and I just uh, um, almost cried there. <laughs> that is so awesome. Your story is so beautiful. So we want to thank you, Karen and Kirk, for sharing your multiple faith journey with us today. And I know that those listening also will be inspired to explore and practice faiths that feed and nurture them spiritually. So stay tuned now as we interview another couple who also explored 
and now practice more than one faith tradition. I'm here today with our guests, Prem and Richard Turner, another couple who has agreed to share with us their spiritual journey and practices, which honor more than one faith tradition. So welcome, Prem and Richard. Thank you. Thank you. We're glad to be here. And it's so good to be here, to have you here. And we're, we truly appreciate your willingness to share your multifaceted spiritual journey with us. So we're going to start at the beginning, <laughs> where you were bo both born and in your family of origin, what faith practice uh, was, what faith was practiced in your family of origin. So we'll start with ladies first. And Prem, would you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I grew up in a family with our grandparents um, where we practiced the uh, Sikh religion. My dad was Sikh and my mom was Hindu. Okay. And how about you, Richard? Well, I grew up in Bakersfield and I had no faith tradition of any kind whatsoever. Okay. So on very, uh, previous conversations with the two of you, You've shared that um, that Prem, you've attended a Sikh Gurdwara, and then you both attend uh, uh, your Hindu temple in uh, Yuba City, also CSA, which is a Center for Spiritual Living in West Sacramento, which is a Science of Mind Church, SLC, which is Spiritual Life Center, a Unity Church in Sacramento, and St. Francis. I'm assuming that's the Catholic Church downtown. Okay. So... <laughs> Can you tell me um, it, what is it that draws you to those particular uh, faith traditions and churches and temples? Well, you know, just backing up for a moment um, on the Sikh and Hindu religions that I grew up with. Interestingly, I I didn't like go to a school to learn the 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 dogma, if you will, of, of of any of those traditions. What I learned, and I and I think that ties in with what you're what you're asking me currently, is that what I really grew up with was a strong sense of values and what those values are. And I think I think most faith traditions have those same values. And it's it's many, you know, it really is many paths to the one and that interconnectedness uh, that we are one with all that is. And it doesn't really matter uh, what path we take. And, and so even today, I mean, I will go to, to any, I'm, I'm just open to going to any uh, faith tradition because it's those values that I learned growing up um, that are still with me today. Thank you. And how about you, Richard? What are, what is it that draws you to explore various uh, churches and temples? There's a rock and roll song that I really like from uh, my days in the 50s, uh, telling on myself here, called Searching. And all I was searching, 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 searching. I think that best describes my um, going to various faith traditions and not signing up for one over the others. Uh, I enjoyed the music and actually enjoyed the message in most of the traditions, even though I might disagree with the dogma, because something usually happened 
to me during those experiences. And I didn't put it all together until later in life when I embraced the concept of nature as God. Um, I think that best describes what I was doing with going to those various traditions, and that is searching. Okay. So I was going to ask you what your... what some of your shared beliefs are. Uh, it sounds like you've uh, already addressed some of that. So uh, Prem, can you tell us uh, what your current spiritual practice looks like and how did this evolve for you? <laughs> well, you know, I was reflecting on that a little earlier and um, it started with um, you know, I have a uh, I have a long and and have always had kind of a long to do list, and it started probably thirty years ago uh, with I could do you know read 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 something quickly and then I could check it off my to do list. <laughs> and <laughs> okay, I've I, I've done my spiritual practice now. Um, fortunately, uh, that has grown, but that. But that is really the way that it started, was just doing um, a, a short reading of something. And, uh, okay, now no, that's done. Um, today, that's very different, and it has, in fact, evolved. Um, but I will, uh, you know, I've brought in, uh, which, by the way, at one time I rejected the whole, um, you know, Sikh Hindu stuff because it meant I had to do what my parents wanted me to do. But that's another story for another time. Um, but I have brought in, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to have been blessed with a very rich spiritual tradition. And I brought with me like the, like the chanting, uh, the kirtans, the meditations, um, and really come full circle in some of those spiritual practices that are rooted in thousands of years of history. Um, so I, you know, I will, I will do the candle lighting and I will do the, the, um, uh, the offering and to spirit, whatever, whatever name that is, um, which today I've actually come to believe it as, as just energy. That is my, that's my quote, God. Um, it's just, you know, everything is energy. Uh, and it, it, some things appear solid, but if you look close enough, it's actually 99.9% space. Um, but that's quantum physics. So that is also part of my current uh, spiritual practice, actually. And, and really, we're, uh, my, my current real interest is, the bridging of science, ancient wisdom, and modern science. And uh, so a lot of my spiritual practices are actually around that. And I will do a, you know, uh, easily do an hour's meditation. Sometimes it still is only five minutes, but that's enough today to connect me. And, And then I'll do, you know, I'll stop, I'll pause throughout the day and just take a deep breath. And that's my spiritual connection. So um, it's come a long way, and I just know that everything, really, no matter what is happening in the world, is part of source. So your meditation then has, and your readings have deepened, and uh, it, uh, incorporated many uh, ideas from various energy faiths. 
Yes. And I don't, and I do not to this day, I do not never have, and I don't have a label. I don't consider myself of any particular religion. I don't belong. I'm not a member of, of, of any, of any particular faith tradition, but there are, are wonderful things about faith traditions. And, and so I take what works for me and my spiritual practice today is really about taking it off the pillow, if you will, um, and being able to put it into practice during the day. It's easy to do it by myself on the pillow, but you know, can I use those spiritual principles when I'm having a conflict with somebody, a disagreement, including my wonderful, dear, loving husband? Wow, I know that might shock him that we... <laughs> Speaking of your dear, loving, wonderful husband, Richard, can you tell us what you mean by God is nature? And tell us about your, your story of uh, your how you got to where you are today in your spiritual journey. Okay, are you ready for the weirdo stuff? <laughs> sure. Woo-woo, here we go. Woo-woo is good. Well, I, I, I believe there is a higher power out there, and it's not me. Uh, and it's not a guy in the sky with a whip. Uh, and I don't try to define it. I just know that humans didn't invent gravity. Uh, and I think that for me, the concept of oneness, uh, our connection with all of nature, all living beings is really, really important and at the root of my own spiritual practice. And, and I, I do jump off the pillow as well. Uh, and one time I... <clears throat> Many years ago, I told Prim I'd be back in a month. I just needed to be somewhere other than in my law office. And uh, I hear voices. And the voice said, Richard, all you do is swagger around in a courtroom arguing with people. You know, there's lots of stuff happening out there. Don't let the miracles pass you by. So I told Prim I'll see her later. She handled my clients while I was gone. And I ended up in Idaho where I had an encounter with a bull moose, which is too complicated to discuss today. And then I traveled to Montana where I got a job, I literally got a job in my 60s on a cattle ranch and uh, learned how to ride a horse, which was cool, learned how to buck hay uh, and drive a trailer backwards, which was a pretty big accomplishment for me. Um, I'm walking along this path one day after work, if you will, and there was this little yellow daisy on the path all by itself. Now, daisy, who cares? No big deal. For whatever reason, and I can't tell you why today, well, maybe I can. For whatever reason, I knelt down before that yellow daisy and it just assumed a beautiful object to me. Now here comes the woo-woo part. I'm looking into the core of the daisy, and the core of the daisy turned a vibrant purple. Now, nobody believes this, but my wife, she believes it. She has to believe it. She lives with me. But it happened. It happened. And I can tell you that I saw it, and it, it made me fall in love with that daisy, and from then on with all flowers. And that's what really started my love affair with plants uh, and uh, other living species. So I'm sitting by the stream on that ranch a couple days later, and um, 
mist is coming off the stream. I'm drinking my, my Montana coffee. And again, the voice comes, you know, here we are. Here we are again, voices speaking to me. The voice comes and says, you know, don't let the miracles pass you by. So I came home and told Prem I quit my law practice. It took me a few years to do that because I couldn't just walk out on the clients I had. They had long cases. Um, but that's what started me down the road to photography and my love of nature and my feeling that God is in nature and in all living beings. Um, I took some pictures of the moose that I had the encounter with in Idaho and uh, I brought them back and showed them to a well-known fellow, Ted Serlin, a, a professional photographer here in Sacramento. And he said, Richard, these pictures are terrible. You've got little moose, big pond. He says, you need big moose, little pond. So that was my first lesson in <laughs> photography, photographic composition. And I decided I'm going to learn how to do this. That was fun, taking those pictures and bringing them back, even though Serlin wrongly thinks they're terrible. <laughs> And he said, uh, I like this one of the dragonfly you've got here. Why don't, you, why don't you start learning about nature photography? So I did. And that's a long story. But what, that's what involved me in recording natural history and what got me involved in loving all plants and animals and other species and learning that our DNA with, well, with chimps, we know it's, it's about 85%. With ferns, it's about a quarter of, uh, of the DNA is in the ferns that's in us. So we have a common ancestor, I believe, and, and uh, that's what started me with, with my feeling that my higher power uh, is uh, in nature. And that started me writing poetry about that concept. And writing poetry is really my spiritual practice. Uh, and many of my poems uh, surprise people that knew me in the way past as having a spiritual bent. So that's kind of a thumbnail of where I've been on the spiritual path. Well, that's a beautiful thumbnail. Um, I want to ask you if you have uh, any way to share your photographs and poetry with others. Well, funny uh, you should ask that yes, question. Yes, <laughs> I, I, uh, I self-published a book <laughs> called "I Can't Always See My Path, But I Keep on Walking," and it's a book about my poetry and my images collaborating. Uh, and we've sold over three thousand copies. So, in the self-publishing world, that's a big deal. Um, Self-publishing is a process I don't recommend to people <laughs> unless you've got a strong constitution and are willing to suffer rejection, um, which all authors have to suffer anyway. And but, I understand, I understand, I hate to interrupt you. I understand in 2015, you took that book and presentation to the Parliament of World Religions in Salt Lake City. Can you tell us what happened there? Uh, yes, I had a booth. I actually had a booth at the Parliament of World Religions, man, I thought that was really the, the you know, a pretty cool thing. <laughs> and, and, and I was asked to give a little talk, which I did. Uh, it, was, it was a little bit early in the morning. <laughs> Not too many people showed up, but it was this good talk. And it was about oneness uh, and loving one another in the, in the sense of we're all in this together. Uh, and uh, 
Uh, we have this terrible violence going on in the world and loving one another is one of the answers to that. So that was a, that was a great experience. Now, upcoming next year will be the release, I hope, of my next book, which is called Sweet Crazy, Walking on the Edge. So what a title. Love that. Yeah. And do you have a, a can you just share your website address with us? Sure. www.rturnerphotography.com. All right. Thank you. And I'm sure people will go to that. And Dave and I were actually at your presentation. <laughs> at least Dave was. I, I was jumping around between other presentations, but at the Parliament of World Religions. So we're so proud that you uh, got there and, and, and started to share your message with the people, 10,000 people <laughs> in the world there. So that was wonderful. I just want to add, add real quickly, and that is that one day uh, my wife comes in to me and she says, hey, there's a letter in our mailbox from Wayne Dyer. And uh, I said, well, Wayne Dyer, I've, I've never talked to him. I've never asked him to send me anything. I've never met with him. And it was a, a personal letter from Wayne to me saying, Dear Richard, I've spent many hours in this book, and it brought me to, uh, it touched my soul and brought me to a new awakening. I said, wow, that's pretty amazing. If I, something I do can bring Wayne Dyer to a new awakening. And so that's, and, and I say this not as a brag at all, but as a kind of a, a touchstone of what I've been doing with my work, which is to see if it can help people, see if it can bring joy to people. And so, for those who don't know Wayne Dyer, he's a prominent figure in the spiritual community. So yes, that's a big, a biggie. And it doesn't matter if it's a Wayne Dyer or or just uh, one of us, you know, the ordinary right. people on the street, to be able to um, in, inspire others. Rachel, I just want to interrupt here, if I can, for a moment. Is um, going to the Parliament of World Religions, and I had known you previously, but I had never really known Dave. And that really, um, now see, I'm going to start crying. <laughs> um, deep in our relationship. And, um, You know, meeting people like you two in the community um, is such an important part of our life. And we really thank you for your both of your love and support that you have given us. So I just wanted to take the opportunity to say thank you and showing up at eight in the morning at the Parliament of World Religions. We really, we really appreciate all that you guys have done and know that we can pick up the phone at any time and know that you're both there for us. And, you know, that's to me what spiritual community is all about. And it doesn't matter the label of the church or not. So, well, you. it is our honor because Dave is hearing this as you speak. So it is our honor. So we we have five minutes left, and I know you wanted to talk about your uh, the Hindu temple that you're uh, running. But I also wanted to find out just 
quickly uh, what your shared beliefs are. Now, do you, do you feel as strongly about nature as Richard does? And what are some of the things that you share every day, let's say, on a, just on a regular basis? <laughs> um, Not those details, but you know. What I mean. <laughs> there you go again, Rachel. Well, I'd like to hear about that, but not now. <laughs> Let's see, where shall we begin? <laughs> well, I think you mentioned uh, when I talked to you earlier about your connection to sitting out on your patio and just enjoying nature. Well, you know, we've been to, you know, I, I, I just kind of want to clarify, and I know we're getting to a close here, um, is, you know, we've been together for 37 years now, uh, 35, 36, I don't know, a long time. Uh, and, um, and, you know, we have a beautiful, wonderful friendship as well as marriage. And I have to say, it hasn't always been easy. And, you know, thank goodness for our spiritual connection uh, that really has kept us together. And Richard's over here making faces and thank goodness you can't see him. Um, so um, we absolutely enjoy, you know, we have a lot that I feel like we share and nature is one of them. And, and, you know, we're blessed to live on a little lake and we have goose, geese outside and ducks. And we live on the, on the, on the, uh, um, the yeah Pacific flyway and uh, have beautiful flowers. And I love the water and love the ocean. And so, yes, we have always shared a lot of that nature. Um, and, and when I'm doing my readings, for example, I will share with Richard something. I did that this morning, in fact, and uh, we'll share with one another. And he's probably going to um, he's been known to steal my book. So we have kind of an ongoing joke about that. I put down a book and the next thing you know, it's gone. And I, and I know we're coming to a close. Um, I just will share really quickly and then I'm going to turn it over to Richard. I just, yeah, I, I, not gonna, to interrupt you, but I did want you to have a little time to, Dave uh, just sent me a question. Uh, how did you end up uh, running a Hindu temple and in four minutes <laughs> okay well it'll be less than that because no, i want no no so how i ended up doing that really quick is um like i said my mom was hindu my dad was sick they were very very poor they were immigrants my mom had this dream from when she first stepped into the soils of this country she wanted to have a hindu temple and many 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 years later um that came to be, but she actually died before the temple was built. And so my dad, in her honor, donated the, the land and a good part of the funds to build the temple. Both of them have since passed away. My dad more recently at 100 and almost 101. And thank you, Dave and Rachel, for, for being there at the service. Uh, and um, so I was a board member and now I'm the president. <laughs> so, now, is there a website for that temple and would you want to share that? It's on Facebook, actually. If you just go S-R-I-N-A-R-A-Y-A-N temple in Yuba City, you'll see the Facebook page. We're a little sl up, uh, slow on the technology. We hope to have a website. Uh, we're working on it. We don't have one right now, but you can you can connect to the Facebook page. And um, and one of the key things for me 
um, is to have some interfaith events and also to be really supportive of women in what largely is a patriarchal society and culture. So that's, an, again, that's another, another story for another time. I want to get back real quickly to, because we're wrapping up, but I, you know, we shared our reading. I shared my, uh, some of my readings today, this morning with Richard, and I really want to end with turning it back over to Richard because it was really nice that we just got to share. And that's part of our spiritual practice is we just share what we're feeling. And so, honey, I'm going to turn it over to you because oh you have goodness. probably, what, about a minute? <laughs> How Go ahead. Do we have? He's, he's going to end with a poem. I'll do real quick. This is what I wrote this morning after Prem and I talked. I want spring without the autumn. I want the pleasure without the pain. I want life without the death. I am told one cannot have, one cannot be without the other. So may I learn to love the other as the necessary partner, the power in the making of the new. So. And that is a absolutely beautiful closing too. Boy, I can't put through the closing. Uh, we want to thank you so much, Richard and Prem, for that beautiful poetry for sharing your intimate uh, spiritual journey with us. We've been so blessed this morning to be talking with Richard and Prem Turner as they shared their process of their spiritual journeys. We appreciate the two of you and how you show up so beautifully and with such interfaith diversity and how that works in your life every day. So Interfaith Followers, we now come to the end of the April podcast. This month, we talked to two couples who honor and practice more than one faith tradition. We be began with Kirk and Karen Fujikawa and finished with Richard and Prem Turner. In both of our heart-filled conversations, it was evident without a doubt that it is possible for a couple to find and connect with spirit through many paths individually and as a couple. So join us in May when we have the opportunity to look at the face of the feminine and Sacramento interfaith. One of the bright shining lights in interfaith work is Durye Sayed, member of Salam, the Sacramento Area League of Associated Muslims and former president of the Interfaith Service Bureau. Durye has been a leader and an advocate in interfaith work and has made a tremendous positive difference and interfaith connections in the Sacramento region. Thank you for joining us today to experience and explore a deeper understanding of our interfaith look at the world. Our next podcast will be available the last Friday of the month, but we wanna hear from you. So send us your comments, questions, and suggestions interfaith at slcworld.org. That's interfaith at slcworld.org. Because we want to know about your interfaith art. So let us all remember as we go on our different paths that Gandhi said, a peaceful exploration of all faiths is our sacred duty. <laughs>